0: hi welcome to the axiom podcast i'm your host cameron earhart and today we have uh, a guest i'm very excited about interviewing richard hein he's a marketing guru hopefully i can call you that Richard. Um, (laughs) but i love talking marketing and so i'm excited for this conversation but before we jump into it and before i just start rattling off questions
1: richard tell us more about yourself who you are and what you do yeah great thanks cameron i would really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you guys so um my 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 story really is uh, a 25 year plus career um, in highly technical business to business environments, working for some very large companies and some very small companies, mm-hmm. and I, my experience spans anywhere from product management to pricing to business development to customer experience to product development. Um, Branding, social media, all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, anything, all things marketing, I've pretty much touched throughout my my career. Wow. Yeah. And
0: that's great. I think that's why I'm excited to talk to you because so many small business centers that we work with, marketing is just a foreign Object to them, like <laughs> they are so afraid to go near it, and and to be frank, like you know, a lot of times they do a really poor job marketing, and so, um, so that's really what I want to focus on. You know, as we kind of jump in these questions of like, what are some really great takeaways that small business owners could, you know, listen to your wisdom and then go apply it right away. But before we get into the practical stuff. Tell me more. You know, just your own story. When did you realize you wanted to be in marketing, and, and how did you get your start? What was that first marketing job you had?
1: Oh, that's that's. Uh, so my story is, I I graduated uh, college with a bachelor's in chemistry, actually. Okay. And I started uh, my first job out of college uh, was in a was with a company in La Crosse, Wisconsin, uh, that made. Um, base material that went into printed circuit boards. Hmm. And my job was to mix little things under a fume hood, new formulations, and then scale those things up and try to make a new product out of it. Building the size, I I mean (laughs) I realized after I realized after about a year, I'm like, I don't see myself doing this for the rest of my life. And you know, as fate would have it, the company I was working for was starting a product management team Hmm. and I was asked if I wanted to be a product specialist, you know, I'm what, 25 years old or 24 or whatever. And I said, sure. But they said, there's a, but and I'm like, what's the, but they said, you have to go get your MBA. And they said, don't worry about it. We'll pay for it. Wow. So I was just like, no-brainer, right? So <laughs> I became a product specialist, I got my MBA, and um on I was on my way. So I mean I had various different roles uh, throughout my career that really were product management focused. Um but in you know, in those days, kind of product management and technical marketing were all kind of wrapped up into one sure. kind of role, <laughs> and then over the over the course of my career, I've expanded into more broad-based leadership roles that encompass product management, pricing, branding, website, SEO, all of that kind of stuff.
0: Wow. Okay. So that's interesting because it wasn't like, you know, you're like, marketing is my calling. I have to do this. kind mm-hmm. of an opportunity <laughs> that fell in your lap. And then as you pursued it, you just
1: realized like, this is for me. Like, I'm, I'm good at this. I need to do this. Well, I would say and everybody has, I'm sure, has these career moments. Like there's, there's two or three roles that you have in your career that give you aha moments. And I've, I've actually had three of them. <clears throat> the first one is when I was still working in lacrosse, Crosse um, and the company was sold to Allied Signal, which is now Honeywell. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the opportunity to be what was known as the customer-led commercialization leader, big long word, big company kind of (laughs) acronym, whatever. Um, Basically what the role was, was to tear down and then rebuild and implement the entire new product development process. Wow. And I learned so much in that role, like not only about the process, but about how important it is to engage customers in the process. How important it is to lead a team uh, that you don't have direct you know management oversight with, sure. so kind of like facilitating meetings, all that kind of stuff. so that's that was a critical role in my career. And then several roles later, um, I was a global product director um, at a company where I was um, charged with uh, defining and leading an entire global product development effort from wow. start to finish. And so I got to practice a lot of what I learned in that previous role. <clears throat> and you know, to this day, you can go on their website and the products I led and we actually launched, they're still selling, wow. um, which is pretty cool. It's pretty yeah. gratifying to see that kind of stuff. And then the third role where I think we're probably going to spend a lot of time on today is when I was at Johnson Controls. Um, I was leading global market research, and um, I was given I was given the task of leading what we called customer experience at Johnson mm. Controls. And I didn't want it. I'm a strategic guy. I was doing strategic research. I was doing all all of this kind of stuff for new product development. And I thought this was just like a customer satisfaction survey. And um, it actually wasn't. And my boss at the time. Uh, told me not to be a victim and go ahead and just do the work and I quickly went from being a skeptic to being a huge believer in understanding the customer experience and how they engage with you over several different touch points wow and I it, I use I use that information in so many different ways uh, that I'm, I'm a huge advocate of it. It doesn't have to be mystifying. It doesn't have to be difficult. It just takes a mindset that you need to understand how you put the customer first and go from there. So those are the three, those are the three roles that really stick out in my head. Yeah. And I like how you described them career defining
0: moments. Um, you know, as we all look back, we can kind of see those, but it's just cool seeing, your diverse background in marketing and the experience you've been able to gather you know throughout your years so tell us I, I know this might be a tough question to answer but tell us just some of your maybe overall marketing you know philosophies or, or
1: strategies uh, <laughs> well so um especially this isn't so much for large businesses i would say but especially for small businesses there still seems to be um, the idea that sales and marketing are kind of the same. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot, a, lot of, a lot of times you'll see like vice president of the sales and marketing or director of sales and marketing in smaller businesses. And I would, add, I would advocate that they're completely different. The mm-hmm. mindsets are different. And me as a marketing professional, I don't think like a salesperson. I think like a marketing person so I can help the salesperson, but I, that's not, that's not where I'm coming from. So I think they're complementary, mm-hmm. but they serve completely different purposes. Um, so that's, that's one. And I guess, you know, as we were talking before we got on, I guess, I guess the, the other big thing that I really try to practice is defining the problem that you're trying to solve. Yeah, And if you can't describe it and you can't articulate the exact problem you're trying to solve for the customer, then you probably shouldn't be doing it. Yeah, um, And I, I got used to doing this, especially when I was at Johnson Controls, because I worked with lots and lots of product managers doing voice of customer and doing research. And I always ask them what problem are you trying to solve? You would be surprised how many of them could not answer the question. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I don't think I'd be surprised
0: because we see it all the time. And and you're, you know, you, you probably see this as well. So many companies, their way of kind of positioning themselves is we are the best blank. Instead of you have a problem, we can help <laughs> you fix it. Yeah. Right. So so how do you? you know, how do you get there? So, so if a business owner is listening to this and, and right now they have completely positioned themselves, you know, on their, their website, their branding, you know, just across the board as the best HVAC company, like, you know, just that's, that's it. Like that is how they position themselves. How do, what is maybe some, I don't know, some, uh, some practice or some, uh, exercise they could go through to help them figure out how to position themselves more as a problem solving company.
1: Well, I, I think I think to do that, you have to do. If it were me, you'd have to do some fundamental work before you get to that point, right? So you would have to, in my mind, you would have to understand. I'm, I'm just going to go right to the concept of doing a journey map. You're going to have to understand the touch points the customers have with you from what, from starting from when, how do they become aware of you to all the way to the end is what happens after they buy something and they start using it and they don't like what they got. How are you going to, what's that touch point look like? So it's Mm -hmm. how do you become aware? How do you quote? How do you order? How do you deliver? How do you install? How do you provide support? You need to understand those touch points. You need to understand which ones they care about, because they won't care about all of them, but they will have some moments of truth that will make or break the experience. Mm. And if you understand those moments of truth, then you can start uh, positioning yourself like, um, maybe I'm not the, maybe I don't say I'm the best HVAC company, but maybe you say you're the most responsive, because that could be what they, what customers actually care about. Or you say, I have the best, you know, post-sale service or something like that. So, but, so try not to get so generic, I'm the best, but be more specific and identify those things that people actually care about. Okay. Yeah, no, I love that. And you brought up the, you know, the customer journey
0: map. So let's go ahead and jump into that because I I do what it's been. Uh, majority of our time talking about this because it's super interesting. So tell us, you know, before we get into the various stages, which you have six, right? So, that-
1: yeah, and it depends. Like, okay, every every it's all customized. It really, de- you know, not mm. not a single industry is exactly the same. Not a single customer is exactly the same. Um, I mean, there are some there are some common themes. I mean, at a very high level, you will have a. Aware, compare, decide kind of step. Then you'll have kind of the ordering, the quoting, the ordering, the delivery step, and then you'll have what happens after. But it just, it really, it also depends on how you go to market. So, how you go to market, if you sell direct, your journey map might be a little different. If you sell through independent reps or you sell through distribution or you sell through some set of dealer network, that all is going to be different than. it just depends.
0: Okay. And and so I, I've seen, you know, you sent me over the visual. So it's easy for me to kind of imagine right. in my head. But somebody who's listening who hasn't seen that visual is like, you know, journey map. Like, what what is that? Can you maybe just higher level 30,000-foot view? What is sure. it? Sure. Yeah.
1: Sure. So the, the one, so a journey map, a journey map really, um, first of all, you can Google journey mapping and you'll get all kinds of hits. I mean, this is not, it's not something new. Um, it's not something like the latest greatest. It's been around for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And people have been doing journey maps for a while. Um, my biggest critique uh, of what I see when you kind of talk about journey mapping is a lot of people tell you what it is, but they don't really tell you how to use it. Mm. Um, so, in general, what a journey map does is it starts at a very high level. It generally tries to document. From a customer point of view, the stages they go through when they engage with you. So, I talked about like there's going to be an awareness phase, meaning somebody's going to do a Google search and find you on the web. Somebody's going to, you know, maybe place a phone call or try to contact uh, somebody in sales to get uh, more information. So, they're doing, they're doing, they're doing. They're becoming aware, they're comparing you, and the vast majority of this work you will never know about. It's usually done online. It's usually not calling a person, um, And you know what they're doing is not anything different than we do in our personal lives. We almost always go to the web, and we do most of our research before we actually pick up a phone, right and call somebody. <clears throat> so that's one phase. And then the next phase, if they get through that and they want to continue to engage with you, well, generally in a business-to-business environment, they're going to want some sort of, hey, I need this product or I need this service. Can you give me a quote? Or can you talk to me about what you can offer? Or whatever that looks like. So that's going to be a phase. And then if they get through that and they say, yes, I've become aware of you. I've compared you. I've talked to you. Now I want to place an order. So then that's going to be a generally a phase. And once an order is placed, then you have to usually make or assemble or whatever you're going to deliver. Um, and that's a phase and then it gets delivered and then all of the post sale process. So in general, there's five to six steps. They're generally going to follow that at a high level. So what happens with the journey map is you drill down in those five steps. um, Each one of those steps, you'll figure out what the goals of the customer are in that step. So for example, if you are in the awareness phase, usually what people wanna do is understand what you offer, uh, what options you provide, um, are you able to deliver things or do I have easy access to the information to help me become more aware of you and compare you um, to whoever else I'm looking at? Um, do you have the information that I need, for example? So this is why websites are super important. Mm -hmm. Um, then they, then they go down into another level where it's called the moments of truth. And there's usually two or three moments of truth in each phase. And I'll stick on the awareness phase. So when somebody, when somebody's uh, looking for things and they're on the website, um, are you presenting yourselves in a manner that they recognize that they can get the information easily? They understand it. It's all curated for them. If that, if that's a good experience, that's positive And you'll probably go to the next step. If that's a, if that's just like an okay experience, you're not any better or worse than the competition. And mm. you know, it's okay. If it's a bad experience, you're likely not going to, you're not going to capture that, that person as a customer. Um, <clears throat> so thing, things of that nature, each one of these moments of truth, uh, green is good, yellow is okay, red is red is not so bad or not not so good. Mm-hmm. And again, these moments of truth will make a break, potentially the buy decision. they will also make a break whether that customer comes back and tries to re-engage you okay. Yep, does that make sense? It does, absolutely. And I, and I want to
0: come back to that last thing you said because I want to talk about the reengagement part. But before we get to that, so uh, recently we've been having to call out a, a bunch of home service companies. You know, come out to our house, check out various stuff, and, and give us quotes. And so the way that I, you know, let's say I needed um, a plumber to come out here, the way I do it, I go to Google, I type in plumbing near me, and it's you know I'm looking at the top you know list of companies on Google, and I'm seeing I'm looking at their reviews. That's immediately where my eyes go. With a company that has a couple hundred reviews and they're in that four, seven, four, eight, four, nine. I'm kind of check marking them. I'm opening up their website another tab. I typically open up, let's say, top two to three websites and I'm scanning, I'm scanning their websites just like you said. I'm typically going to their services page, their about us page. I'm looking at if they come across as credible to me, they have higher views. They they ranked high. I'm giving them a call, and I'm I'm usually getting a couple companies to come out, give me a quote, and that's really where the comparison goes down to. How was my interaction with that salesperson while they were here, and then how does their quote compare to others? So, what percentage of the you know consumer population would you say kind of falls in line with what I just described as my process, or some variants of it?
1: well i would i would say i'll take i'll I'll answer that in a little bit different way so um as you know i'm more of a business to business guy so what right. i what i would say is what you described as a consumer is influencing how businesses are being viewed as well so it's it's like it's like the consumerization of the business to business experience um, so you know when you know, when when i do this kind of work um, I'm aware of like consumer behavior, how we all do it in our daily lives, and then thinking about in the business environment when I'm selling to another business, the process is the same, but the information that they're looking for is probably a little more detailed, a little more descriptive, a little more technical, mm. heavy. And so the reason I bring this up is the thought process is very similar, but the moments of truth and the information they're looking for is rather different. Yeah. That makes sense. sense? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. 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 Okay. And so, um, you, you have a, let's say, let's talk business to business. So you're selling, you know, your services, you have a business walking through this customer journey a minute Mm -hmm. ago, you talked about that re-engagement piece and how, you know, how, how do we really increase our customer loyalty how do we get you know that business becoming a repeat customer or sticking with us for a very long time let's talk about that for a minute
1: cuz i know a lot goes into that right yeah so as everybody knows it's easier to keep a customer than get a new one right yep and so one of the main the main outcomes of doing a journey map and identifying these moments of truth and i'm i'm going to use a real life example i'm not going to name the company name um, but you know the journey map uh, that I provided you as an example, Cameron, is is a real it's a real journey map from real research. Um, I'm going to give an example. So um, when you look at this journey map, um, there are a couple moments of truth uh, that are highlighted in red. And one of those moments of truth, when you get when you're in the kind of quoting phase, is price. Prices highlighted as red. Now, normally you would say, oh my gosh, that's a bad thing. You know, we're not as competitive on price as anybody else. Um, but the fact of the matter is, yeah, you might be higher priced, but it's not the main driver of why somebody buys from this particular company. Mm. Um, so that's an example. So um, the other example of, of doing the journey map and understanding the moment of truth in this particular case, the biggest pain points um, for this company and the reason why um, they uh, retain or should work on retaining more customers in this particular area is on the ordering part. So really good at entering an order really fast, but really bad at communicating the order status and when it's gonna ship. And that was the biggest pain point. And that also was red. And so it it also is the number one driver of loyalty. Mm-hmm. So this is where, when I was with the business, this is where I said, this is this area you need to invest in. Because if you put investment here and you mm-hmm. in, improve this part of the experience, your customer loyalty score is going to go up dramatically. Mm-hmm. Because they've told you this is a problem. They've told you this is, you know, what may not keep us ordering again and so that's how that's how this is all kind of used to drive loyalty so you don't have to fix everything you just really need to work on the thing that drives loyalty the best and it could be the idea that the thing that drives loyalty you're already really good at but if you were even better you would still increase your customer loyalty score
0: Okay, yeah, and this journey map help uh, helps us identify those areas where we can yes. better. better. Correct. Okay. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense.
1: Hi, this is Joy Brandon. I wanted to take a quick time out just to tell you a little bit more about Axiom and the work that we do. We work with closely held businesses on strategic growth. What that means is that we come alongside the business owners, we help them get clear about where their business is going, and then we engage their leadership team to build plans for growth and then execute those plans. If you're a business owner and you're trying to grow or you're looking for future growth or maybe you're just trying to manage the current growth that you have and you're looking for some help, you want somebody to come alongside you to give you the tools, to show you what accountability looks like, to build the skill set of your team so that you can step away from the business while it continues to grow, give us a call. You can find more information at axiomstrategic.com.
0: So, yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking about it just, you know, from Axiom's perspective, you know, we're business to business, um, you know, and, and kind of thinking through this journey map concept. And I, I would say for us, probably, you know, the the stage that sticks out the most in my head is, as you went through them, is awareness. Um, you know, what we do, the strategic planning, um, consulting, you know execution. When we come alongside teams and we help them put together a roadmap to you know improve their business and get better and really grow it, it's not a very common um, field in the marketplace. Like it, you know, it's not something that a lot of business owners are aware of. And so, you know, for a business like us, and I'll, I'll just use this as a pro bono uh, consulting session with you here. <laughs> you know, a business like us who who maybe we identify awareness as that red light, you know, what, what happens there? You know, let's say none of us are marketing experts. None of us really know what to do, but we know that awareness is that flashing red light. Um, What would be the next steps? Would you say, like, how can we really start to process that to get better?
1: Well, so what I would, you know, I'm I'm in my current role where I'm actually having this, this very exact uh, same discussion is so awareness uh, obviously um, ninety, ninety-five, ninety-nine 95, 99% of the awareness is all done online now. It could be social media, um, whatever platform you think is important, LinkedIn, Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, whatever. Um, and then your website. And then, so awareness, you have to obviously spend some time understanding how Google, anal- how Google works how important SEO rankings are, um, behind the scenes, are you doing the proper things on tagging, and all of that kind of stuff on your website. So when somebody types in certain phrases, you're you're at the top half of the page and they don't have to scroll down. <clears throat> so that that's really important. And I, I know a lot of, at least in the business I'm in right now, nobody really ever thought of that. Hmm. And I'm like, what the website needs that if you want to improve that awareness phase. Um, This is also, social media plays a pretty big role here, and depending on your business and your industry and what social media platforms are heavily used by your target audience, you need to have a presence on those social media platforms. So, for example, for us, uh, being currently in the role I'm in, being in the educational space, really in professionals, so you really were focused on linkedin mm-hmm. and we're kind of revamping our approach to facebook because educators use facebook quite a bit um so those are some examples that you know if you want to improve awareness you kind of start there with some of the fundamentals now that comes with some work because you got to have content you got to create content messaging storytelling all of this kind of stuff you can't just do social media without content. Otherwise, you shouldn't do it. You know, so those would be things I would spend time on, and that's kind of what I'm doing in my current role right now. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, I, I love that. And so, there's actually a business that I'm working with right now who um, they decided to they needed to get on social media. It's business to business, um, and so they get on social media and. Uh, they just put, you know, someone in the company who doesn't really have any professional social media experience and said, Hey, go produce content, um, for us, go, go publish it on our social media. So, you know, a couple of weeks later, they decided to go back, see how it was going. And they noticed, um, you know, I'll call it a lot of mistakes. You know, they, they weren't being positioned in the way they wanted to all the, all the posts were promotional. <clears throat> call us for this. If you need this, call us the word, of the best <clears> of <throat> this. And so, for a business owner who's like, "Hey, you know, I'm not really sure. Like, I know I need to get on LinkedIn. I know, I know that's where my target audience is, but I'm not really sure how to create content that's going to grab their attention. What advice would you give them?"
1: Oh, good. That's a great question. Um, And I, I cringe when I hear stories like that. (laughs) Um, I will tell you. I'll tell you my philosophy, and it's just my philosophy. Um, I, I insist. On having a full year social media can calendar built out ahead of time. Wow! Um, and and the reason I say that is because <clears throat> you can create content uh, that aligns with certain things that happen during during the calendar year in your industry. So you know it could be a trade show, it could be um, a big industry event, or whatever it is. Those things should be laid out on a calendar, and then your content should be telling a story over time. So, um, for us, like right now, um, and I'll give you a personal example and a real life business example. So, right now, what I'm doing with the business I'm working with is we're revamping one of our divisions, and on LinkedIn for the last eight weeks. one post a week, I've been telling the story about this division. And then just this week, we launched a new website. um, We launched some new literature. And then for the weeks after, for about another eight weeks, one LinkedIn post a week, we're going to be introducing experts. And we're going to have video clips. And we're going to have things talking about this particular division. So that is almost a four-month storytelling for one particular part of our company. Hmm. Um, so I'm a big believer in that. And I actually I actually practice that. And the, one of the reasons we're talking is because I tested it personally for myself. Back in April, I started posting um, one LinkedIn post a week every Monday. And I did it for about 10 weeks <clears throat> on journey mapping. Uh, and it, it was one it was, it was laid out ahead of time. And I was going to talk about a very singular topic on journey map and they just built on each other and Gina noticed it. And here we are, you know, so it kind of, it kind of works. Um, and so I just tested it on myself personally. And and that's why I'm a big believer in laying out the story, thinking ahead. You can't just read social media, just doing reactive posts. i I don't I wouldn't waste your time. You've got to, it's got to be a story.
0: Yeah, no, and I, I 100% agree and I'm glad you're saying that because that's the advice that I gave this company. That I'm oh, working good. with good. Because uh, the the way I look at it and let me know if uh you know let me know what you think about this sentiment. I I feel like nobody's going to LinkedIn looking for a company to hire. I mean, for the most part, it's a lot of people going to LinkedIn just looking to consume information, just consume content. I, I, would, I would guess on LinkedIn, there's probably more consumers than content producers at this point, um, if I had to take a wild guess.
1: Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Um, I think you know, each social media platform is different and your content goals should be different. So for us on LinkedIn, the goal is not to get an order. Um, the goal is to position ourselves as experts and thought leaders. Yes. And the content is created such that we are talking in that voice. And then <clears throat> that content um, can be referenced and used in the selling process. But it's not, LinkedIn is not the place where I think we should be mining for orders. Um, I, we, it's just more of a professional Expertise, thought leadership, sharing ideas, um, that kind of thing, and it, it does it does create awareness. I mean, our our following has increased about thirty percent in four months. Wow! Just based on just based on what we're doing, <clears throat> and so I mean, that's the whole point: is creating that awareness, that reach, positioning yourselves, um, creating your kind of brand experience through that particular social media platform. And, and so it's the thing, I'll just kind of,
0: you know, summarize it with a hypothetical scenario, a um, business owner, you know, he's he's on LinkedIn for 15 minutes before he starts his day and he's kind of scrolling and he sees that someone liked your company's post, and he, and he reads that post and it's very educational. It's um, you know, he sees his content and he's like, wow, this is, wow, this is actually really interesting. This is good. I, I could use this. And he looks at the company or the person that posted it. And he's like, huh, that's, you know, maybe I should follow them for more of this content. And over time, that name, that awareness just grows in that business owner. And before he knows it, when that need arises of, you know, I need a company to do X that, you know, from seeing that information, from seeing those posts, he decides to check you out and potentially give you, you know, the opportunity to give the
1: business. Is that kind of, you know, how this plays out, how we hope it plays out? Yeah. And so, I mean, I've had, I've had, CEOs send me LinkedIn posts that they've seen and said, "Hey, go check this out. I'm sure it's happened to you know to some of the posts that we put on but i think i, th- I think what people need to know is that social media marketing is not does not get you give you an instant response it's an overtime thing, and the way mm-hmm. you describe it is naturally how it occurs and I think most people in the business-to-business, small business world might have the perception that I'm going to do a, a social media post and something's going to happen immediately. It does not work that way at all.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, I can attest to that. So um, I, I took it on as a challenge to post daily Monday through Friday on LinkedIn for 30 days. And I I think I'm, you know, around 30 days or so. And this might be a a testament to my content sucking and just being terrible or, (laughs) or it it could be a testament to what you just said, but I think I'm around day 30 and I'm averaging about three to four likes per post. So, but but I do think that, um, yeah, with this, I mean, it, it takes time and, and we're so, um, you know, we want that instant gratification. We want to post something and look on, you know, two hours later and see, you know, 50 likes and 20 comments. And when we don't get that, you know, it can be discouraging as a business owner. And and we might think like, oh, we just need to give up on this. It doesn't work. It's not working for anyone. But what you're saying is be patient, give it time. It does work. You just have to stick to the process.
1: You do. And, and I'll, you know, I'm, I might be speaking, bad terms or whatever, but I actually don't, I actually don't follow likes. I don't care how many people like it. What I do follow is how many people viewed it. Um, And then being able to see if anybody, if there's a link to the website, I do view, okay, how many, how many views of the website came through LinkedIn that I do follow. I also follow, are we increasing, Um, the people following the company over time and then how many people are resharing what we're posting. Those are the things I care about. Um, I don't really, I've never really, okay, so people like it. Okay. So they might've found it interesting, but for me, I'm just trying to grow awareness through how many people are following, how many people are sharing, how many people are clicking through and looking at the content on the website. Really trying to drive as many people to the website as possible.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's great, and and I agree 100. You know, like I said, averaging two to three likes per post, but something has been happening that I find really funny is as i've been you know just kind of meeting with my network going to get lunch coffee stuff like that i've had a handful of people probably four to five people say hey i've really been enjoying your linkedin post um like hey i've I've been getting a lot from you know the posts that that you were doing earlier this week and my first thought is why weren't you liking it or sharing it but (laughs) but but no it uh you know is it kind of encouraged me of like okay this is reaching people. People are seeing this. They're on LinkedIn. They're consuming content. And this is building our awareness.
2: Hi, this is Devin Dash at Axiom Strategic. And we just want to take a moment to to break in our episode. And first of all, just thank you for listening. And the second thing we want to inform you of is a special series that we're going to be doing where we want to answer your burning questions. If you're a business owner or you're a professional working for a business, and you have a burning question um, that we can put our minds to and and maybe help you you think strategically about, do not hesitate to to reach out to us. We're going to be putting together a string of episodes where we're going to be answering your questions. You can email us your questions at podcast at axiomstrategic.com or you can visit our website axiomstrategic.com, visit our podcast page, and there will be a form that you can fill out and get us your questions that way. I want to thank you again for listening, and now back to the episode.
0: Um, let me kind of pivot for a second. So, a business owner who they're here in this podcast, they sit down, you know, they they start googling um, journey map, customer journey map, and they start working on their own, and they're putting it together, and they they're realizing you know, where their red lights are and they're deciding, okay, I need to focus on this, but they're like, I don't have time. Like I'm doing everything else in the business. Um, you know, we don't have an in-house marketing expert. What is, what is your encouragement to that business owner? Should they go look for uh, a marketing company to hire? Should they look to bring on someone internally? Should they, you know, like that scenario earlier, should they just find one in the company that has the capacity to do it? What should they do next?
1: Um, so I'll preface this answer by assuming the business owner's serious about, um, trying to, trying to delve in and understand really where the pain points for the customer are. Assuming that's true, my, my first advice is to actually hire somebody to go do the journey map exercise for you. There's a lot of advantages. I mean, you could do it yourself, but I'll guarantee you, um, you'll get a, you'll get a much more satisfying result if you hire a third-party expert to go do the journey map exercise. Because typically the way this works is you do you do an internal view of what you think inside the journey map looks like for a customer. And then the consultant or the or the firm that gets hired will take that experience and they will go interview. 10 15 20 customers Hmm. and have them tell tell them what the customers feel like the journey map is Hmm. Um, and then those two views will be reconciled and you'll end up with the product um, that i shared with you on the journey map that would be my first advice if you're really serious hire a third party get an independent view it's i mean this might sound crazy some people might think this is expensive, but this is really not expensive to go do. It's about $20,000 20 to $25,000 to do a fully researched journey map. It takes about three months okay. to do it from start to finish. Um, best investment, especially if you're serious about using it. Um, <clears throat> most journey maps don't change all that often. A lot of, of A lot of business-to-business industries are relatively slow to change and don't have like huge disruptions like some other businesses do. Um, So I think it's well worth the investment and it's really not that much.
0: Okay. Yeah. And then, you know, coming out of that is you have this, you know, new um, journey map that you can kind of, is going to identify where your biggest um gaps are, you know, where you really need to focus. And then and then from there you can kind of strategize of okay, how are we going to actually improve these areas?
1: You're right. So the, so the real life example I was talking to before I talked about the ordering process. So the, the company actually made the decision to completely change out its ERP system that was homegrown and couldn't didn't have the capability or function uh, functions to allow a much better way of of doing online order tracking and being able to understand where it is in the manufacturing process they made the investment to change out the ERP system in part not 100% but in part to solve that major pain point in the journey map wow okay yeah that
0: no that, that makes a lot of sense so I'm I'm thinking as a trying to think as a business, you know, consumer now. So, you know, a B2B, but you know, as a purchaser, I should say. So, you know, recently we've been at Axiom, we've been checking out some various software um, for our company. And so I was looking at another consulting agency up north, and they they publicize on their website what software they were using. And so this consulting agency up north already has a ton of credibility in my eyes. So I'm like, wow, they're using this software. This software must be pretty good. So I reach out to the software. Well, first I check out their website. You know, It, it looks great. It looks like it's everything we need. I reach out to this software. I schedule a demo with them because I, I want to see how it works. Um, I go to get on the demo, the Zoom call, and it was scheduled for 10am. 1010 rolls around and they're, they're not on the call. Um, I've been sitting there for 10 minutes. And so I go ahead and I just leave the call. I'm like, all right, something must have come up. So I just leave the call. I get back to my day and everything. And about 10 minutes later, I get an email from them saying, Hey, Cameron, are you going to join our scheduled Zoom call for 10 a.m.? And so I was, you know, right away, I'm like, what the heck? Like maybe, maybe they didn't see I was on there. So I responded like, Hey, I waited for 10 minutes. Nobody joined. I figured it was rescheduled, you know, canceled or whatever. And I get a response from, uh, this might just me, me. This might be just me venting right now, but, um, I get a response from the, uh, the, the guy and he said, I'm sorry, we missed each other. And, and at first I, you know, I, I don't want to be petty or anything, but I, I was like, Wait, we didn't miss each other. You missed me. I waited for 10 minutes. <laughs> 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 and uh, and so, you know, let's say that this problem right here is what is being identified by the customers of happening repeatedly, right? So, multiple customers are complaining about like you, maybe they became customers later, but they're like, "Hey, actually that was a big turnoff for me during that that process, that buying process when that was happened, when you showed up 10 minutes late, when you showed up 15 minutes late." Are you saying during the journey mapping kind of you know as a a company puts this together, this is something that they might be able
1: to identify? Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah, and that's a really that's a really good example, and um, it's it's amazing to me how um, I guess casual and cavalier some businesses are on on treating potential new customers like you got treated i if I mean if that was if that was my company i would i would personally would be really upset like especially when you're you're engaging with a new company and you're looking at a potential new customer why why would you do that and that that is the journey right now just listening to your words it was very off-putting to you and if they do that even before you're a customer what happens when you're a customer and you've got a problem, right? Mm. So that whole, people need to think that that is the whole experience. And that would be somewhat of a moment of truth where you're like, uh, red flag, um, maybe not going to go forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know. And I I love that you bring that up because I think sometimes as the, you know, the, the business, um, so as a software in this scenario, they're almost, since they're inside the frame, like they're almost blinded to it. Like they don't realize the impact it might be having on that, mm. um, you know, that business that's considering uh, they're purchasing their product or service. And so, right. so it sounds like this journey map is a way to kind of stepping outside the frame and giving an outside perspective of the entire process that you might not even see since you're in the process.
1: Yeah, most most people... The reason the journey map exercise is both you do it internally first and then you do it externally second. Most people internally will have a completely different view of the journey map and what they think is important than what customers actually say. Wow. Happens every single time. I'm not saying 100%, but more I would say more than 50 to 60% of what you think internally is not how customers think and it's not how Um, Or what they think is important. Hmm. And that's why this is such a valuable exercise. Um, And, you know, throughout my career, the overarching thing is bring the customer voice inside. Hmm. Don't assume that you know everything because you actually don't know know everything. I hate it when people say, well, I know what the customer wants. I'm like, no, you actually don't (laughs) unless you, you know, it's just, it's just a a huge pet peeve of mine is when people think they know what's better for the customer, especially when you've not actually talked to the customer. Um, So, I mean, yes, bring the voice of the customer inside. The journey map is bringing the voice of the customer inside. They're telling you, here's my experience with you. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. And this is what's going to keep me coming back or it's going to drive me away and I'm never going to buy from you again.
0: Mm, that's good. Yeah, that's good. So uh, we got a, a few minutes here. I d- before we kind of wrap it up, I do want to go back and touch on one more topic that you said at the beginning of the podcast because I think it's so important. And you said that sales and marketing are not the same thing, but they're they're um, they're comp- complementary. So um, right. which I agree 100%. Um, I also come from... An industry software as a service uh, where sales and marketing but it heads all the time. There is a constant rub for some <laughs> reason. Like I don't, I don't exactly know why, but there is a constant rub between the two. I think it was, you know, the the sales was saying, "Hey, get me better leads. These leads are terrible. These, you know, these prospects are terrible." And marketing was saying, "You just need to get better at closing. Like, <laughs> just better, you know, do better at sales." And so um, when marketing and sales, you know, are Truly working hand in hand, the way they're supposed to, when they complement each other, like that's when you see a business thriving. That's when you see a business truly growing. So I'm, I'm sure you know you have a lot come to mind as I'm kind of bringing up this. I even, can't even call it a question at this point. But what are your, <laughs> what are your thoughts on this whole idea?
1: <laughs> uh, well, I've, I've worked in scenarios where sales and marketing have butted heads. Um, sales and product management of butted heads. I mean, I mean, I think, and, and, and I'm okay with that. I think it's a, it's a natural, it's a natural conflict. But I've gotten to the point, point in my career where my philosophy is as follows. I'm a marketing guy. I'm a marketing expert. I don't need to be the face of the company. I'm not going to be, I don't want marketing to be out front and center. That's really sales. That's what sales should be doing. They should be the face of the company. They should be out engaging with customers. My job as a marketing professional is to make sure they look like heroes, Hmm. meaning they've got the right materials, meaning they've got the right story meaning that the brand is all positioned and well aligned meaning the website is functional and gives all of the right information for the target audience meaning you know we're leveraging the crm system and i'm i'm doing marketing programs very specific targeted marketing programs to help those their sales efforts that's that's to me that's what marketing does it's not just a brochure it's not just a website Hmm. but it's storytelling it's content creation it's product launch, it's pricing, it's all of this kind of stuff. And the whole goal is to make it easier for the sales team to go sell.
0: Yes. And I, oh, I agree hundred percent. And I don't know, in my view is marketing and sales should always be learning from each other because right, there's, there's clearly two different job roles. And so I'll just speak from a sales standpoint. I think it is so essential for sales to always be learning from marketing because, um, for example, you know the uh, salesperson might have in their mind this idea of that they do fully understand the customer, and so they go into the situation, you know, where they they get to pitch, you know, which I hate that word, but they go to pitch their services, and the whole time they're talking about how they are, you know, just the right fit for this customer. But you're saying, like, from a marketing perspective, you might have more of the idea of, hey, actually you need to first understand what that prospect's problem is, what their issue is, their right. pain is, and then position right. yourself from that standpoint. Correct. Yep. Yeah. And so, yeah, it just, it, it sounds like, you know, as um, you know, in our businesses, our sales and marketing, we should always be getting them together, collaborating, learning from each other, you know, Hey, what, what are you hearing out in the field? Hey, what are you seeing? You know, when, from our interactions, our awareness perspective, um, and, and as we do that, our companies will just continue to get better.
1: Yep, I agree. I agree with that
0: 100. Awesome. Well, no, this has been super helpful. I, I know I've taken a lot from this. But before we, you know, kind of wrap up the show here, I just want to ask you what, you know, if there are any final words, parting wisdom that you have for us, especially, <laughs> you know, as uh, th- you know, think of maybe a business owner listening who, you know, just decided to get off this podcast stop listening to this and go implement a journey map you know what 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 other wisdom do you have for these people
1: well you know i um i might take this in a a little bit different direction i think especially for smaller businesses i know it can be it can be a difficult thing to understand the value that marketing brings and i i've i've known a number of small business ceos um, they just they have no time or patience for yeah. marketing and that and that, that's fine. I'm not criticizing them. But what I would say is if you if you're serious about journey mapping and you're serious about growing your business, <clears throat> the role marketing can play in doing a journey map exercise really can help you inform where you spend your time and your money to help your business grow Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be you know i gotta spend six figures on a brand new website i'm not saying that what i'm saying is maybe if if you have a problem in the awareness phase yeah you probably need to make some investment in the tools that make it easier for people to find you or if you've got a problem in some of the you know the internal processes like how you how long it takes you to quote Place an order, you probably should spend some time or money there. It really can inform a CEO on where to make the right investments. And this is really a marketing function. Now, most people wouldn't think that, but doing a journey map and understanding that has been, you know, part of my marketing life for 15, 20 years now. Yeah. And I just I'm a huge believer in it. No, that's awesome. It, and uh that's really good. I, I actually
0: I lied to you. I have one more question for you gonna put you on the spot um i know you Uh you didn't know this question was coming but uh what you know maybe top one two maybe three books do you recommend for a business owner who they just heard your advice and they're like you know what i I do need to focus on marketing
1: well so i got to admit i don't read a lot of a lot of business books um here's what i do do um i'm a huge seth golden fan okay um I read his blog every day I'm on his website. I think there's a lot of interesting interesting tidbits uh, that he offers that are I think are really applicable uh, to small businesses and I've read a couple of his books uh, a few years ago. Um, so that's where I spend a lot of my time. Um, I've been asked this question a lot and now I feel like I need to be reading more books than (laughs) I I am (laughs) because I, I really don't. I mean, I just, I spend, I spend time online, especially with, with Seth and, and looking at what he's talking about and a lot of his things, I mean, he's been around for a long time. You go back and read some of the books he's published 10, 15 years ago. They still apply today. Wow. hundred percent. Awesome. No, that's great. And we'll put that in the show
0: notes. So anyone who's interested can go check out that website. But, uh, Richard, this has been a lot of fun. I I really enjoyed this. Appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. Um, how, you know, if somebody is is listening to this and and they're like, you know what, I want to, I want to follow Richard on LinkedIn. He said he's posting some content. I want to go. I want to, yeah. How would they find you? What do they, who do they search for?
1: Uh, they search for Richard Hein, H E I N on LinkedIn. Um, There might be more than one of us. I'm not really sure. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But the company, the company I currently work for is Palmer Hamilton, LLC. So uh, that's how you can find me. Awesome. All right. Well,
0: thank you. Uh, Well, we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Appreciate everyone taking time to listen and make sure and join us next week. Thanks.